Before we get started with the show today, I want to let everyone know about our new merchandise store available at www.messystudiopodcast.com. There you can find uh, hats, t-shirts, leggings. Um, We got some really cool stuff there for you guys. Everything you buy uh, helps to support the show, um, and uh, it's a great conversation piece. You can let other people know about the podcast. Um, be able to recognize each other in public when you meet another fan. So uh, go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and check out the merch store. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Techner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's show, we are talking about balancing. A theme that comes up in many of our podcasts is finding balance with aspects of creative process that can seem to be opposites. For example, working intuitively and working with intention. The way we each balance these very different approaches contributes to the unique character of our work and working process. Today we're going to take a look at some of the balancing acts that we perform as artists. With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello everyone. Uh, So I guess we could start by considering what we mean by balance. And obviously, that does not mean that these uh, ways of working or approaching your work are equal on both sides. Uh, It's more like a counterbalance to something that you have a natural tendency towards. Most of us have some pretty strong natural tendencies uh, when it comes to these ways of working. And so our individual approach... um, like I said, almost always shows this preference and the idea of counterbalancing it with it's sort of its opposite plays in. Um, and they're equally valid. And, and we can lose sight of that um, because sometimes when we read things or we're advised by people, there's an emphasis on something that doesn't exactly come naturally to us. And Sometimes people advise very strongly, like, oh, you have to work in a very controlled manner, and our our own tendency might be <laughs> the opposite. Right. People tend to give advice in terms of what works for them, and they, they will be very earnest about what has worked for them and insist that you do it the same way, and, and really it may not work the same for you that it does for them. Right. And the art process really, by its very nature, excludes these kind of hard and fast approaches. You know, this is what works, this is what doesn't, absolute do's and don'ts, Um, especially when you get away from things that are just technical or very objective type of information that is kind of tried and true. And when you get into these more subjective areas, uh, I think that's when you have to kind of figure out your own mind with these with these things. There's a, a central idea here of contrast, and I often in the podcast have talked about the importance of contrast in all kinds of ways. It strengthens your work when you have uh, some sort of counterbalancing attitude going on. And so including some of these things that don't come naturally, but what's what's the right place for you? What What feels right to you? Um, these kind of outside influences may tell you, oh, your balance is wrong. You're you're too focused on this or that. And it's kind of funny that one of the balancing acts we do perform is, um, you know, how much to listen to other what other people say. Uh, that's that's something that over time you learn to sort out what's right for you and what what's right for somebody else. But they're quite sure it's right for you as well. 
Um, so um, I'd like to look kind of closely at some different aspects of this, what we just call a, this balancing act in the studio. It's constant. It's always there where we're kind of walking a tightrope between one thing and another. And that tension, though, um, I think brings a lot of energy to your work. And I'm going to point out as we go through this that these things that might appear to be opposites are not really the opposites they seem to be. They, they can actually work together and playing a really important role in your work. Um, so kind of getting into some of these in more detail. And a really big one to me is the tension or balance between your intuition and your intention. Um, and this includes that opposite sense of spontaneity and control that we just mentioned. So right balance for everyone is individual. And this is, I think when we find that balance, it does contribute to our personal voice. It's what something that other people recognize in our work. So when you work with intention or a strong concept, you're, that, what that means really is you're clarifying what you want uh, in your work overall, maybe for a specific piece or a series. It includes planning, setting goals. Um, it's kind of organizing activity in your brain as well as some introspective in terms of getting to those intentions. What is it that you want? It's a big process, and it's an important one. Keeps you on track with your work. Um, helps you bring consistency to your work. It's valuable for self critique. It's you know when you when you look at your work and you say, "Is this following the intentions that I would like for my work, or is it taking some you know sidetrack that isn't really working?" Um, intentions also help you to communicate about your work. They're a way of talking about it so that other people can understand. Whereas intuition can be a lot more vague, right? It, it doesn't necessarily always fall into um, or allow you to be very articulate about it. So those are all really good things about these ideas of control and intention. And I think we all need some of that, no matter how open-ended and spontaneous um, we tend to work. And of course, you know, you look at the flip side. What what are the good things about intuition, spontaneity? To me, they include being very open to change and that your ideas are fluid, that one thing may lead to another that you didn't see coming. And this is kind of the magic of the creative process. You don't, you can't plan this stuff out, <laughs> every bit of it, because it's it's the spark that comes when your ideas and your process and your observations and all these things come together. The very process itself is where a lot of ideas come from, right? So if you're shutting that down and saying, I always want to know ahead of time what's going to happen, it becomes an extremely intellectual exercise rather than opening the door to these other um, ways of creating that keep your work really fresh and energetic and exciting. So I think this stuff is really important. It doesn't come naturally to everybody. Uh, there are, are a lot of people that do want to plan things out, and there are certain art processes that require more planning. 
you know, to make them work, basically. But if we take the example of a painting, for the most part, many, many approaches to painting allow a lot of flexibility, a lot of spontaneity. Um, and I think that the desire to work intuitively can be one of your intentions. I mean, if we're going back to the opposite side of this, when you're setting intentions for your work, one of them might be, um, I want to um, access my intuition and I want to learn how to be more spontaneous. So I kind of um, go back and forth. And they are very, it, intuitive choices are very individual. They're very um, personal to you and other people can't really direct them, right? Other people can't say, this is the right intuition for you. <laughs> Only you know that. Uh, they may go against rules and advice that other people give you, these kind of spontaneous decisions. But I really think they do work together. These these flip sides, they inform one another. Um, as I mentioned, um, you can intend to use intuition or you can use intuition to form your intentions, like trying to set down what it is you want for your work and kind of going inside and just letting letting um, kind of a spontaneous thought process help you in saying, I want my work to be this, I want my work to be that. It doesn't all have to be driven by your intellect. Um, so, um, but I also think this general, like following some sort of a plan, having some sort of guidelines is, is good, while allowing for some flexibility having some kind of a plan or some goals is a good thing. Um, so, you know, thinking about how important are these sidetracks or happy accidents to you and your work, there's no right answer. If your spontaneity or your intuition takes you in some other direction, how, how much do you welcome that? Or how much do you say to yourself, eh, that's not in the plan. <laughs> and there's, like I said, there's no right answer for that. Um, you know, how much, how much do you want to stick to that original plan or idea is completely individual. So that's a really big category. It includes a lot of our basic attitudes towards our work. Uh, and it includes a lot of how people view our work. Do they see it as unfolding in a very logical or planned manner? Or do they see that there's an experimental attitude, uh, different approaches and things like that? Um, so as I said earlier, when we were talking in the introduction, the ba our basic inclinations towards these things are probably innate, you know, probably just basically more, either more planning type personality or more, um, intuitive, but we can definitely strengthen our work by, um, also including those things we're not really personally inclined to do, um, Maybe if you're very um, spontaneous and intuitive, you know, to really focus on intentions, write them down, think about them, put some more focus on them. If you're very much the opposite, trying some exercises that bring out your intuitive side. And you find that personal balance. Um, how, will, how willing are you to let go of a plan in order to pursue some new idea? And, um, or how... How much do you need to go back to your plan if you're if you're too scattered? And we've talked about a lot of these things in 
in previous podcasts. This is this is just sort of an attempt to point out how much we have to balance, and and it's it's a conscious thing. And if you're not really conscious of it, it's easy to to miss the other side. You know, to say I don't need that, but kind of new do need some of that. Um, another category I wanted to talk about is how do we acquire um, knowledge or feedback about our work? And so some people are very inclined to educate via workshops, um, classes, and so on, and you know, seeking other people's understanding and knowledge. And other people are really at pretty adamantly self-taught, and they um, they really prefer to figure things out on their own. And so this balance is the one about how much input and feedback uh, do you want, and how much are you relying on your own judgment. Um, and it this can be again, it's very innate. I think how much we prefer this, where our own balance is with this. Some some artists really feel that they don't want critique. They don't want feedback. Um, they want their own version to be pure, to be individualized. And then at the other end of the spectrum are people who really focus on learning, taking workshops, um, acquiring a lot of knowledge, and yet perhaps struggling with finding a personal path when when there's a lot of input coming in. Um, so, you know, we'll look first at the, the type of person who really turns a lot to what is, what is written about art. Um, they do research, they want to know a lot about their materials that, you know, there are people that really study the actual art materials that they use, the processes, the approaches, the technical problems. Um, there is, of course, a wealth of information out there. How far do you want to go down that path of learning and taking advantage of all that that's out there? Or at what point does it become overwhelming? There, There is a downside to this if it's really taken to extremes, I feel. And I've, I've seen it in people where they don't really want to try stuff or they don't really want to experiment because they don't have all the information, right? Um, they haven't influenced it quite deeply enough. And so there's a lack of risk-taking. There's, you know, um, I, if I don't know exactly what's going to happen, I don't want to do this. And if I don't, if I can't read some articles about what other people have done, I don't want to try it. And part of this too is being overly influenced by the people that have figured it out. And feeling like, well, you know, they've written a book, so they have all the answers, so I'll just do what they say. And, you know, I kind of feel like there's a big part of art making that is experimental and risk-taking and exploring and trying things. And if that gets shut down, it's it's kind of, it's too bad. Um, yet there is an upside to this is a good thing because... Do we need to reinvent the wheel? You know, what? what's the most efficient use of the time we have? A lot of people don't have a lot of time in their studio. They've got other things going on. So if they can, you know, get a head start by finding out a lot about what other people have done in their particular medium, then then that's time that they can 
move ahead with their own work. They can find they can get that foundation stuff uh, from other people, and just um, you know accepting input basically as a way to further further their own study is it has a lot of merits to it. So if you're if you're the type that doesn't want any of that, you're very self-taught, you enjoy um, that whole process of figuring things out, experimenting, taking chances, there's a downside to that. I mean, it can really, your progress can be rather slow um, if you don't want to seek any input. Um, there can be sort of a, a stubborn attitude, honestly, where, you know, I, I have to figure it out all by myself. And yet, aren't we all part of this um, great ongoing art experiment? And we can get a lot of things from other people. Uh, it does provide a lot of uh, originality and a lot of pride in discovery when you, when you do find your own way. So I guess, uh, you know, what I'm trying to do here is to see how these things work together and uh, this balancing act. And it gets down to deciding when it is you want and need your in input from other people, maintaining some independence, but, you know, knowing when it's time to get some help, some feedback, and then evaluating feedback or what you learn in terms of what seems right to you. So it's a complex interaction, I think. And most people probably are pretty middle road about it. I mean, accepting information as it occurs to them as needed and also being able to move independently on stuff. I think being a self-motivated learner is extremely important. And I, I think that, that that's the way that we should think about ourselves. Even if we're not completely self-taught, we should be self-motivated. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and having a, a sense of self-motivation in learning and in pushing your work, uh, is, is something that, uh, I think is, it, it's difficult for people to be taught that it's something that you kind of need to, to learn how to do yourself. Um, and it's something that a lot of people have never really picked up on, mm. you know, they're, they've just, they've been, uh, going through a process where they're in some kind of schooling and they're being constantly pushed and told what to do and they're just kind of following directions. Um, and when you, we have these tremendous resources available to us now with the internet and you can learn to do virtually anything on the internet, mostly for free. Um, and sometimes you'll, you'll find people who you think have some insight that that you're you really want to latch on to you want to learn more from this person and maybe you're going to consume some of their paid content or something like that for example mm -hmm. um, but I think that just going out and taking those first steps on your own mm -hmm. is super super important because you you just it, you do you get out of this sense of being locked into this frustrating space where you don't really know what to do and you don't have any idea where to get started. And it's like, well, just start, you know, yeah. and, and you're going to mess up and that's okay. Right. And you're going to find people who give you bad advice. You're going to have find people who give you good advice. And, but the important thing is just doing it, you know, because if you get locked into this kind of, you know, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of research and I'm not ready yet, you know, or uh -huh. I don't know where to get started. That's, that's the space where you're accomplishing absolutely nothing. 
and and it, just getting out of that space and into a space where you're learning something it's right. just super important yeah i mean the, the if you just jump into something with none of that you know you can be very frustrated and lost pretty quickly if you don't do some basic research about what it is you're interested in and um but i, I like the point about self motivation and sometimes sometimes honestly it's what separates people who are really going to make it with all of this you know that uh, with the art world is that self-motivation is pushing yourself is striving and trying to understand and not having it just handed over because nobody the truth is nobody can really teach this stuff the way it actually functions in our lives we can all you know give advice and we can um, try to help each other or um, write things that will help people do podcasts, whatever. But for every person, this self-motivation to to learn and yet be open, that balance is so important. Uh, and well, and I and I didn't come out of the womb knowing how to do podcasts. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody taught me how to do it. It was something that I had to go on and figure out, you know? Oh, and yeah. It's, there's some great advice out there. There's some great resources. But at the end of the day, it's just going out and doing it. Yeah, no matter how much you learn from other people. it's uh, and, and I do think that people can get stuck when they are overly reliant on information. Um, so it's, how do you recognize that? You know, how do you recognize in yourself that you're stuck because you're, you have information overload of some kind, or you know, it's just not. Um, you're hearing from so many different people, and this can definitely happen when people take, say, a number of workshops in a row. And I think it's really good advice to space those out quite a bit, and to have your balance time when you're working and you're not under the influence of an instructor. And then if you're come to a point where you want more info, go back and get some more. Um, but a lot of people starting out, it seems like trying to play catch up with a lot of information at once. And you have to process it in your own way um, over time. So I guess um, I just want to cover one more kind of category of these balancing things. And that that's actually within the elements of design themselves, the things we work with as tools in our work. There are a lot of ideas uh, or a lot of these principles of design include the idea of counterbalancing uh, one visual aspect with another. And a big one is, one of the principles of design is unity slash variety. In other words, within a piece of work, you have to have something that pulls the work together, some structure, some continuity, some relationship between the visual elements. Um, but you also need that spark, that contrast, and this gets down to sort of things like, well, how calm is your work? How energetic is your work? Um, how bold or subtle? And including both of those ideas to some extent so that there's that little bit of contrast in there. If a work is totally, totally unified, um, the, it risks being boring. And there are there are minimalist works that are very unified and very simple, but there's still going to be something. Maybe it's the scale. Maybe it's the materials that provides a little bit of contrast, a little bit of energy to the work. Um, 
some works are full of variety. They may appear to be very chaotic, and yet there needs to be some organizing principle. So, so built right into this principle of design is this balancing act. Um, another one has to do with a kind of the hierarchy within the work. Usually, uh, I'm, and I'm speaking here with painting, there's usually some sort of dominant shape or dominant color or something, some visual element that is very strong in the work. And so that becomes um, dominant, right? And then how do you work in the other elements so that they support this dominant element? And you know, that definitely has to do with balancing and working um, things off against one another. Um, even something like uh, one of the visual, or I'm sorry, the elements of design has to do with rhythm and pattern. So pattern by itself can be very pleasing, very uh, regular, and then, but it can risk becoming a bit boring and predictable. So how do you introduce something to break that pattern just a little bit to provide some counterbalance, some interest? So there's a lot of things to do with composition and the way that we actually work that if we go really far in one direction without something to balance the other end of the scale, the work can become uh, too dull, too calm. It can become too chaotic, too scattered. And again, it's so much to do with our individual voice, finding those uh, balancing points in there. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Yeah, <laughs> I guess I've said it enough times here, but these are very individual choices. Um, each of us has to decide not necessarily intellectually, but we have to come to some understanding of what works for us. There's a lot of complexity here. There's a lot of details. And the overall idea, though, is to not disregard what you're less inclined towards naturally, uh, but to be willing to step outside those natural tendencies and look for something that gives that contrast or that counterbalance. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, you can it, you feel like you're pushing yourself in a way that's not comfortable, but it tends to bring strength um, to your work. But I guess staying true to what really is right for you is maybe the most important balancing act of all. When you have, if you have too much influence or you have too many people telling you this is what this is how to do it. Um, which people do tend to do in their own, they, they think their own balancing act has it solved. <laughs> uh, you have your own and you have to figure it out with a lot of different things in the creative process. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com as well as www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.